Hello, this is Ada Piedarico, and you're listening to Journey Within, Insights on the Soul's Path, an audio archive of blog posts, personal insights, and conversations about the path to self-mastery and fulfillment. I hope you'll enjoy the content, and more importantly, that it'll spark the self-inquiry, contemplation, and reflection that forms the path for the journey within. Thanks for being here, for opening your mind, your heart, and your soul. Hello, everyone. This is Adapia Dorico, and I am going to do something a little different now on the podcast. I'm going to include a 10 to 15 minute personal insights from me before every recorded interview. And I'm so excited to do this. And this idea is thanks to Jillian. We were catching up and she was saying how much she was enjoying the personal insights and I've heard that from a lot of people. And then she gave me a really great idea. She said, why don't you do a little clip before every interview? And so here I am. So thank you, Jillian. You solved the conundrum because I, I, even when you brought it up, I was thinking a lot of people want me to do more of this, but I love the interviews because speaking with people who have had these moments of realization or who just, they live their lives in alignment with what they really want. They found inner meaning, whether they've had any form of awakening, doesn't really matter. They, they're so inspiring to talk to them about how they view life, how they make life happen. And I didn't want to not have those interviews, but I also didn't want to do like a daily podcast or anything. Anyways, here I am. We'll do little uh, personal insights before every episode. And On today's personal insights, I want to talk about a few things really quickly touch on this new moon eclipse that I feel like everybody in the world knew about this time. And it was the third of three eclipses, which explain why in the past, you know, six to eight weeks, we've been feeling very, very intense energy. So if July and August have felt extremely intense, especially up to last weekend, that's why. And a lot of people are feeling more energetically sensitive. That is just a general, I don't even think it's a trend. It's like a biological change in people. We're becoming more intuitive. We are becoming aware of our intuition rather, and just more empathetic, more energetically attuned and more connected. So we're all feeling it. We all felt it. It was huge, but it was also extremely potent from the perspective of stepping into a new place, a new life. Like this isn't even a new chapter of a book. This is like a brand new book that we're all stepping into. And the new moon and the eclipse of this new moon all happened in Leo, which is, which is the sign of power. And of the self and not necessarily the ego self, but in the best expression of self. So this new moon was really about stepping into your highest good, your highest purpose, your highest path. The month of August will continue to be a little bit intense because we're not out of the full passage that I talked about in my very first personal insights, which is um, this wormhole. And it actually closes on the new moon in Virgo on September 9th. So there's still a little bit of intensity. We have to wait for Mercury to go direct, which is happening right now, Friday, August 17th, and then Mars going direct. That's going to be a huge shift. That's on the 26th and the 27th. So we'll feel some forward momentum. We'll feel like 
the revision, review, re-energizing, refocusing that we've been doing for the past few weeks will will bear fruit. And the ability to manifest that comes with this new moon, the ability to step into our power and our purpose and actually trust it because we can't know it intellectually. We really have to trust it at the level of soul. We have to trust it on the inner level. So those will be some winding down of the retrogrades and some slow winding up of the promised kind of energies of of 2018, of this master 11 year of manifestation and actually of awakening. So the year will start to pick up. It's going to be less intense, definitely less intense than July. And a lot of opportunities that really are in our own hands to make happen as long as we're anchored into our inner meaning and our purpose, because that's what's real. What's on the inside, what we deeply desire, that's what's real. And some things for me around all of this have been some realizations. I started doing uh, moon circles or goddess circles are sometimes called. And the last one that I had was, was right on the cusp of the eclipse because I have them on Fridays. They're called divine feminine Friday. And I've been doing them. I've done a few of them and I've kept them pretty under the radar. I think part of me didn't feel like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done them before and connecting to that part of myself. And the the circles are really, that's what they are. We sit as women in circle and we connect, we connect with each other. We talk about meaningful things what's going on with us, what we've been feeling. It's a safe space and it's a very healing space. And by healing, I don't mean we're trying to fix ourselves or that anything's wrong or broken because that's certainly not the case, even though we might feel that way. What we're doing by healing is we're opening. We're opening ourselves to be listened to from the heart and to listen to others from the heart and to receive and to be reflected back in a way that doesn't happen in a conversation or over drinks. It's really special and it's really different. And as I was preparing for the circle last Friday, I was thinking about how I, you would have asked me even two years ago or told me this is what I would have been doing. I would have said not a chance because I've always resisted community. And I had a beautiful reflection back from, from somebody in the circle. And she said, you're, you're creating community. And I really thought about that. And I thought, gosh, you know, I really resisted that word. And then I thought about that a lot. I reflected on it a lot. And I realized that the words or the concepts or beliefs I had around very specific terms like that, that I resisted like so intensely and so strongly were my learning edges, my growth edges. So I recognize that because I recognize a few other things in my life where I've had intense resistance. Those are exactly the places that I needed to dig into and find my strength. And coming out of this now, really realizing that, yeah, I am building community and I'm really proud to do that. I'm really proud to bring people together and it doesn't matter who or how many, but I'm bringing them together and we're connecting. And it's a safe space and safe as in we don't go out and talk about it. We're not 
you know, we're not recording each other. It's like, there's none of that. It's safe and we're held. And when we speak, we speak from the heart. We're being heard from the heart. No advice, no, no, nothing, nothing like that. It's all high vibration, so much love, so much connection. And I've been learning a lot about myself in doing it as well. And some of that learning really revolves around when, when people don't come and how that, how that feels, because it's been the same thing all the times that I've done it is a lot of people will not come and either they don't, they don't come at all and don't say anything. Or when they start saying like, Hey, I'm sorry, I can't make it for whatever reason. It's like every time it's like little daggers of rejection. And intellectually, I know that that's not the case. I know I'm not being rejected. I totally know. And I don't even think about it that way, but my energetic body receives it that way. And I really watched myself this time because I spun it up with narrative and I overthought the feelings and that ended up causing me way more pain than just, you know, taking the little dagger and saying, okay, you know, ah, it, it kind of hurts, but I'm just going to you know, I'm just going to kind of let that go. But my mind stuck to it a lot this last time. And it started, it started going into, you know, how much it hurt and why are you doing this? You do this to yourself every time. And that's the inner critic. That's the inner critic going, I don't want to feel emotionally uncomfortable. Therefore, I'm going to talk you out of this so that this never happens again. But I'll tell you something, inner critic, it's going to happen again. I'm going to keep doing it because I'm going to keep doing the circles. and. As you can see today, I'm going to talk about it more and I'm going to bring more people together because I am completely reconfiguring my backyard and my garage to be a space that's a little wellness space studio center where I can do this. And I'm doing this out of love because I want to, I'm not, I'm not doing this for any other reason. And so I'm not going to let the inner critic win. I'm not going to let some emotional discomfort get the better of me through narrative in my mind. Because every time it happens and then every time when people show up and we have this circle, it doesn't matter if there's like two people or 10 people. It is so amazing. It's called Divine Feminine Friday and I'm going to be doing it every month uh, for now, once a month, and then we'll see where it goes. And it's been incredible for me to learn from and just you know, pushing my growth edge and, and pushing my learning edge, of course, because that's what we have to do. And the last thing I'll say for uh, my personal insights for this week is kind of going back to this new moon and Leo and the significance of it and things around manifestation. And when we truly clear limiting beliefs and thoughts and energetic patterns and conditioning, like really clear them at the level of the body, everything changes. And I've been doing a lot of work around this and I had a lot of clearing to do because I had a ton of fear and that, like I talked about the last time I did a personal insight. And so moving a lot of this fear out and when I move it out, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, it allows my my energy to manifest through thoughts into what I actually want. 
So the prime example is over these past just couple of weeks, like as we were going through this Lionsgate portal and this Lionsgate eclipse and closing this massive, massive cycle of transformation of the past year. So think back to a year ago, August of last year, what has changed in your life in this past year? It's probably something really big or something really meaningful to you. Everyone's going through it. And for me, it's really been this awakening of what holds meaning to me and what I want to do with my life. What am I going to do with this wild and precious life, as Emily Dickinson says? And that's led me you know, in all these directions, obviously, including this podcast. But back to the manifestation, because this portal is, I am stepping through into this new life. What am I going to manifest? Well, I manifested a retreat to Bali, not to attend, but to co-lead. And I am so excited about this because it was on my my uh, plan. Damon, if you're listening, uh, you're going to appreciate this because it was in my planning that we did last year around, I wanted to lead a retreat, but I also know that I don't want to do things by myself. And through my connections, through this building of community that I've been doing, both bringing community to me and being part of other communities, I connected with the most joyous, shining, bhakti-inspired teacher, Ari Beers. And she had been looking for somebody to co-create this retreat to Bali with. And it was like the moment we met when I went to take one of her classes, it was like, I knew she would be part of my life. And it was just, it was just something amazing. And then I went back to her class the next week and we really connected and there it is. I'm going to be co-leading a divine feminine, a goddess retreat. It is for women only. It's only eight people. There's going to be Ayurvedic healing. There's going to be soul healing. There's going to be so much, so much going on. And that's going to be the week of American Thanksgiving. So I'll be talking about that a little bit more in the coming weeks. And I'll have Ari on because her story is absolutely incredible. So with that, I hope that you've enjoyed the the mini personal insights coming before the interview and I'll continue to do it. Drop me a line, drop me some thoughts. I'd love to hear from you and what's going on with you. If this lands, how it lands, does it resonate? And even what differently than what I'm talking about is going on for you. I love to connect with people because there's a lot going on and we need to stay connected to each other to help each other through it, uh, especially in times of intensity. So enjoy the upcoming interview. It's with my friend, Heather Schwartz, and she also has incredible stories and insights. My guest today is Heather Schwartz. Heather and I are good friends and knew each other years ago when we were doing our work in the early days of real estate crowdfunding launching companies in the space. And we reconnected about a year and a half ago on a personal level. And it's so much fun to speak with her and hear her perspective on how she has really reshaped her life to be around not just inner meaning, but she really talks about the need to find inner peace and creating a life that's based on that place of centeredness. She tells some incredible stories 
that are uplifting, amazing. We talk about intuition. We talk about how to train intuition. We talk about the importance of self-nurturing and self-care. And we get into some fascinating conversations about what it means to step into your power, both when you're pushed by fate and circumstance, and also when you make a choice, when you make a decision to take yourself to that next level. Heather is extremely inspiring. It's so much fun to talk to her. And I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hi, Heather. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adapia. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, I am uh, really excited to have this conversation. We've been chatting a little bit back and forth on you coming on and telling your story ever since we reconnected almost two years ago now when I was in a phase of leaving that job as a real estate executive that had really defined me for a few years. And we randomly ran into each other at this conference in Chicago and you also had been in the real estate technology space, which I was leaving. And so we reconnected there. And and since then, um, really grown this friendship that I value so much. So really happy to have you on. Yeah, it's it's funny because in our conversations over the past couple of years, as we have reconnected, I feel like we could have recorded multiple podcasts within those conversations. But it's just so funny how life plays out and, and works out because that conference in Chicago, I think, was probably the last crowdfunding focused conference that I ever went to. And it was one of those, I don't know if I want to go. You know what? I've already got a ticket. I'm just going to go. Like, why not? And I'm so happy I did because, you know, I, I think we just had that immediate reconnection when we saw each other. And I remember when I saw you, I just knew, I could tell in your eyes, like I just knew something was going on. And it was kind of like that doorway for a really interesting and really meaningful conversation and relationship that was going to unfold. Right. Exactly. That's hilarious that you could see it. I didn't. I was still so lost as to what what am I going to do next? I just knew that I had been pushed again by my soul, as I like to say, like over a cliff of you need to change. This is not, this is not good anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's always funny when other people can reflect back sure. what they see, especially if they're really clear. So yeah, this is definitely. Well, mm-hmm. It's, it's easy to reflect back and be able to pick up on, on, you know, those, those things that you know, I'm perceiving or they're perceiving because they've already been down that path. Like they've, they've already, you know, been through that cloud or they've been through, you know, maybe a dark night or the soul or, you know, they, they've heard that, that calling for something else. So yeah, yeah it's interesting. And I know we're going to get into that and talk about that today, but yeah, been there, done that. So it was easy to <laughs> recognize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you've, you've been, you were on that path let's say we were both on a, you were, were more aware of your path or where you were on your path at that time. But I think it'd be really great if you wanted to give just a little bit of background on yourself, because we're talking about real estate, we're talking about crowdfunding. And so maybe not everybody knows what that is because our paths had crossed previously before this fateful Chicago conference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So just to take a little bit of a step back and I'll give you a very brief 
description of my background. I was born in New Jersey, uh, grew up in a very rural part of the state in South Jersey, had a really nice you know, family, um, had a brother, had a very loving mom and dad, you know, grew up in a, a medium household income, whatnot. When I was 19, I decided on a whim that I wanted to move to Miami. Which, you know, moving from anywhere in America to Miami is a huge culture shock. And I just felt Uh like, you know, it's like one of those opportunities and callings that you really don't give too much thought to, but you just kind of say, yeah, I'm in, like, let's do it. And Mm -hmm. really on a whim and against everybody's wishes, I decided to go down there. And that was in 1998, yeah, 97, 98. So at 19, you know, I, I hadn't finished college. I had some, I think I did like a year and a half and it just, I, college didn't feel like it was for me. So I went down to uh, Miami and I started working as a temp at Merrill Lynch. And I thought, okay, this is just going to be like a series of, you know, discoveries of what I'm going to do with my life. But that temporary job led to me staying into the financial services industry for almost 20 years. And I spent wow. the majority, yeah, I spent almost all of my career in Miami and, and a good chunk, uh, 20 years of my life in Miami. So I've worked at, um, I've had corporate jobs at Merrill Lynch, at Wachovia and Wells Fargo with uh, wealth management, private banking. I transitioned from corporate life to entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial life in 2011 when I was reading about what a lot of people in the crowdfunding industry know today is the Jobs Act. And I remember having a conversation uh, with uh, my ex-husband, who's the co-founder of a, of a company that him, I, and two other people co-founded called Early Shares. And it was mm-hmm. an investment-based crowdfunding company where investors of all walks of life, regardless of your net worth and regardless of, of your income level, could participate in a private investment, which you never you know, had the opportunity or the visibility or access to, to uh, participate. And so we built a really cool website and, and a really cool company. And, you know, that was about five years of my life. And I got to tell you, that was probably some of the most challenging five years <laughs> of my life. And yeah. a lot of the entrepreneurs uh, that are listening to this will will understand what I'm saying. But yeah, that's how you and I first crossed paths because we, mm-hmm. our two companies were some of the first players within that whole industry. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I'm sure you remember doing the conference scene when, you know, yeah. every week it seems like we run a plane and, and you know, speaking at some conference and, you know, educating the world yeah. about this new thing. But yeah, that's just a little bit about my background. And then really quick on a personal level, I have uh, three children. I, I moved from Miami to New Jersey last summer and I have three beautiful children and an amazing boyfriend. And my life is magnificent. So obviously there's a lot more detail (laughs) in between that led me to this, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a little bit of the backstory of Heather Schwartz. Right. Yeah. It's so true back, you know, those, first of all, like what happened in those like five years. And then also it's true when, when we first uh, were connected with that, it was, it was like almost every week, it was some conference traveling and it was exciting and it's fun. I mean, being an entrepreneur is so much fun. And especially like if you have a company that you're building, you have people with you, Mm -hmm. it it really is fulfilling in certain ways until it stops being fun. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where I draw the line where, where it's like, I, I've also learned, I'm sure the same for you, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, what stage of 
of entrepreneurship I like the best. Some people are builders, some people are visionaries, early stage, later stage. I mean, it's all, you know, it's all up all up for grabs really in, in the beginning. So yeah. And uh, you know, another thing, and and this is something that my old business partner, Joanna Schwartz, she, she told me something that really stuck with me. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, are you doing it to be cool or are you do Cause it is cool, right. To say mm-hmm, I'm the CEO, yeah. right. Or I'm a founder, yeah. co-founder, or are you doing it to like make a difference, to make money, to, you know, change something like, you got to really look at why you're doing it. And unfortunately, oh, yeah. I think because of the whirlwind that's going on within entrepreneurship, you know, people are too focused on the cool aspect. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it gets hyped up a lot, right? It's very sexy to be an sure. entrepreneur in some ways and I've seen this, I've seen people, uh, or I've also spoken to people, I've seen it online, where they think that that's the only other way. It's like, well, don't work for the man, be an entrepreneur, but not everyone's built to be an entrepreneur. And that's a great point that you make uh, through what Joanna mentioned, which sounds to me like, check your premises, like what are your motivations and your intentions behind what you're doing? Because that, that makes a big difference in how you experience anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you were at Early Share, so that was five years. And during those five years, like what were some of the lessons, like let's say between when you were in corporate, because I have a similar, not not exact though, like I did a lot of work in corporate different finance banks and hedge funds and insurance companies and things like that. And then moved into entrepreneurship where I really found my, my own skill set, let's say, and all the ways that I had previously been stepping on people's feet were actually my entrepreneurial spirit where I was getting, you know, they didn't really appreciate me coming in and being like, Oh, let's change this. And let's fix that. And what about this? And what about that? Um, yeah. That wasn't always appreciated. Whereas in entrepreneurship, when you have your own thing, you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I got to make this work. So I'm going to do, I'm going to hustle. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so for you, what did you learn about yourself going from corporate into, let's say this entrepreneurship, like some of these initial lessons about who I am? Well, I discovered that I had a lot more talent that I gave myself credit for. And so one of the big things that I had to do pretty pretty quickly in my in my jump from corporate to entrepreneurship is learn how to speak publicly. Now, I know when, you know, you say that to certain people, they'll just like no way, I can't do that. So I co-founded the company in 2011. I was still working at Wells Fargo. And then I left at the very end of 2012 and I dedicated and I, you know, I left, I I ended my corporate career and and dedicated my, my time to early shares. So that was at the end of December in the very beginning of January of 2013. So two weeks on the job, I had to do a press conference in Texas. (laughs) 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 And I was like, what? (laughs) How am I going to do that? (laughs) And so I I still have a video of it. And, you know, I did fine. You know, after Mm -hmm. when you, when you're, leading up to it. And this, I remember used to happen every time that I spoke as you're leading up to it. Oh my gosh, you make yourself a nervous wreck. 
And then something happens when you're in the moment and you're on stage, you get that microphone in your hand and, and you know, you're speaking and it kind of just comes together and it comes to you mm-hmm. and, you know, you look good and you sound good and, and, and you're just so critical on yourself. Like, oh, that, that, you know, it's not going to be good. But at the end of it, it's like, you look back and you think, wow, okay, that wasn't so bad. And then yeah, you people, yeah, you pulled it off. Yeah, how did I know? I, I pulled it off. Yeah, and then you get people coming up from the crowd and saying, "Hey, you did a great job." And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> and and you know, yeah. you do that over and over, and it just becomes like second nature to you. And so, mm-hmm. you know, going into that press conference, I mean, oh my gosh, I I really was nervous wreck. But if you ask me today, I think I've spoken publicly maybe three or four hundred times, and I love it. Like, give me a microphone. I can still to this Mm -hmm. day, even though I exited the crowdfunding space about a year and a half ago, I can still, you know, give the same speech that I used to give, you know, and take up an hour long of space just because it's second nature to me. Like, and I speak in front of a thousand people, no problem. So, you know, like there's a lot more in you than you give yourself credit for. And through all of those challenges that come from entrepreneurship, you know, all those are just pushing you to see what you can do and and to see what other talents and gifts that can come to the surface, you know, and you, and you really do surprise yourself how much you can push yourself and, and also wear different hats. As an entrepreneur, you know, you don't have the budget to hire somebody for each job. Like, you know, at at our company, several of us were doing many different things. So that's very normal too. Long hours. (laughs) There's no PTO. There's no vacation time. It's just, it's something that's an extension of you. It's not something that you turn on and off like you can with a job right? It's just part of your everyday, every moment life. And so with that said, you know, one of the biggest things that I learned since I've stepped away from that is that that's not a good way to live. It's putting too much pressure, way too much pressure on yourself. And if you have a family, that pressure extends out to your family. You know, you, with, Mm. with anything that you do, you've got to take a pause. You've got to take some time for yourself be alone with yourself, you know, let yourself de-stress, give yourself a little bit of a break. You can't be on all the time. Right. Right. And also like, again, I I use this example because I have children. So if I wasn't giving to the company, you know, my time and energy and effort, I was giving Mm. it to the children, my time and energy and effort. Well, there was rarely a time where I was giving that time and energy back to myself. So that's probably one of the, you know, my biggest takeaways and my biggest learnings is, you know, I've, I've got to invest in, and, and just allow myself to breathe. Right. And to think. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an important reflection and takeaway because we get so easily caught up in, I have to do this and I have to do that. And yeah, technically there's a lot of things that need to get done. Otherwise, let's say a company doesn't run, but how much of that is undue pressure that we put on ourselves. And especially as women, we put different pressure on ourselves than men, but you know, you have kids. And so you're not just going to, you know, tell your kids to make their own dinner. And so who gets put to the side is yourself. And and there's, you're absolutely right. And I have a, I have a really good example of that. And and this is something that just like sticks in my memory. And this is kind of like one of my shifts that I, I remember one of my moments. 
it, you know, it was probably like a Monday or Tuesday. And, you know, I just finished putting the kids to sleep and, you know, cleaning up the kitchen. And I think it was like 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, worked all day. I was so tired. I had a nanny helping me, thank goodness. And I remember telling her, I've got to go to the grocery store and go grocery shopping. You know, our our stores in Miami were open till like midnight. So I had plenty of time. Mm. And I had my hand on the car door. And I was thinking to myself, because I'm tired. I was really exhausted. I was like, Heather, where are you going? Like, do you have food for the girls' lunches tomorrow morning? Yes. Do you have food for breakfast tomorrow morning? Yes. So where are you going? And I was like, Mm. oh my gosh, why am I putting this unnecessary pressure on myself? At 10 o'clock at night to go to the grocery store, it's going to take me 40 minutes you know, then I have to take another 15, 20 minutes to put groceries away. Like it's a process. And Mm -hmm. I turned right back around, went inside and said, sorry, I'm I'm not going, I'm going to bed. Mm -hmm. But it's like those little moments in time where you, I mean, you have to be like really present with what you're doing and what your actions are and think, is this what I have to be doing right now? You know, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of flies in the face of, don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today, which is something that we, you know, can get thrown at us and beat into us because it's like trying to shame us around procrastination. And I think then like we take that and flip it and twist it and maybe apply it to multiple other parts of our lives. But that's not the point of that saying (laughs) when you find yourself at 10 o'clock at night, 1030 at night, trying to do more than is really necessary. Sure. Or you could apply that, but replace the piece of going to the grocery store and think, I'm going to replace that hour with just TV time or taking a bath. Mm -hmm. Like why put that off? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why put off self-care? And there seems to be this, uh, at least in a lot of the things that I'm reading or people that I'm around now, I don't know. It just seems like self-care, like radical self-care comes up all the time now in women's media online. Everybody's talking about self-care now as, as if it's this discovery, but either that's because we've taken it so far out that it, it needs to be brought to our attention as though it's this amazing discovery or people are, are women, especially are waking up to that fact and saying, no, you know what? I need to take some time to myself. Yeah. Yeah. For, for I mean, finally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, look, I look back at my poor mom when I was growing up. I don't remember her ever doing some self-care. <laughs> yeah, right? neither, neither was mine. Yeah, it's generational. I mean, we're so fortunate. I mean, talk about like privilege and, and just we're so fortunate to be able to find that time or at least think about it and then make that time if we're so inclined, right? Because then at the end of the day, you have to decide and make a choice and take action on making that a priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So as you were going through like some of these, like, I think I love that story. I think that's such a great story. Like you're learning about what you're capable of. You're learning how far you can push yourself. What other, I mean, your life is so different today from those years, as is mine, right? Like we've both made massive shifts and changes around how we want to live our life. And, you know, this, the sense of reconnecting to that sense of like, what's important to me, what holds meaning for me. 
were there any other examples throughout those years that really pushed you, whether voluntarily or not, into this path? Like what what caused, let's say, or what was the impetus towards some of these really big life changes that that you made more recently? Yeah, I just remember constantly feeling just tired and energetically depleted. And I just thought, gosh, like I'm getting sleep. You know, I feel like I'm doing some fulfilling things in my life. I'm a good mom. I'm, you know, good to my friends and, and family. But I just have this, this low, totally low energy no matter what I do. And I just, I, I, I didn't want to live my life like that. Mm-hmm. I also found myself like getting aggravated and very snappy sometimes with my kids and it wasn't because of you know what they were doing i mean they were just being children it was just because of you know the things that were going on in my background and with the pressures of of uh, you know having a company and the pressures at, at the same time i was going through a divorce which you know adds a whole another mm-hmm. <laughs> whole another yeah. aspect to it and i was just I, I was tired of being tired and i i knew that i i had to make some big changes in my life to save myself and, you know, to try to like spark some happy, like some genuine happiness in my life and, you know, to appreciate like the time that I, I, I was spending with my, with my family. I don't know. It was just like a series of things. I feel like life is, is, is kind of like a series of breadcrumbs that leads you along this path. And if you can really mm-hmm. pay attention to, to those breadcrumbs and pick them up as clues, you know, that you'll be, you'll be led in the right direction. And so at that point in time, like I, I had a couple of friends that had told me about like some, you know, meditations that they were doing and I got involved in, in yoga, which, you know, is good for me. I, I also do road biking. I don't know. I just, I was, I, I made the shift to spend more time with myself and mm-hmm. I, I, I think that was the, you know, the biggest thing and, and to invest back in myself for the first time in, in a very long time, I, you know, went on trips with my friends. So, you know, at part of my divorce, obviously I had to, you know, um, share time with my ex-husband for the girls. So that allowed me to, you know, have some time for my, for myself. And so I, you know, I started to travel and, you know, I got, I got to, I don't know, just enjoy things that I hadn't been able to just different things, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that was very helpful and just, you know, a series of reading, you know, different books and, and new ideas on life and, you know, just really working on myself. I feel like that was, that was really what led me to the point that I am right now. I, you know, I made a lot of different changes and, you know, what, one of the, biggest changes that I made in my life was moving from Miami to New Jersey. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, you know, big changes take big steps. Like if you want them to happen quickly. Yeah. And, and so that's what I did. Like within a series of a couple of weeks, I I made that decision and I swear at a PA, like everything just fell into place. It was just amazing. I was blown away about how easy it was to to make that big of a move, you know, and, and at the same time I met the absolute love of my life. So, you know, that was like a huge breadcrumb (laughs) that I'm so thankful for. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, like it all comes together as a story and it all helps, but 
I can tell you that like, it just, it, it all came together beautifully. It didn't feel like it for a while. It felt very messy and very shaky. And I thought at one point I had the perfect life and, you know, on the outside, you know, it, it looked like I did, but on the inside, like I knew that it just, I wasn't right. I just wasn't content, wasn't happy and wasn't yeah. at peace. Like it's, it's yeah. getting and finding that inner peace. I think that is the most critical thing for us to find. No matter what mm. is going on around us, it's being able to find that inner peace and being able to deal with the chaos that happens in our life. So because right. that I've got, I've done the work on myself, I made a big change to change my trajectory in my life. I'm in an incredible relationship that I would have never thought existed, that I, I just didn't even thought it was possible to feel the love that I do right now. You know, mm-hmm. all of those have, have led me to where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. And this all stemmed from the recognition that something was fundamentally wrong. Yep. Yep. There was no inner peace and mm-hmm. no energy. Yeah. And That's interesting. How do you how do you define energy? Like when you talk about when you talk about that, is that a felt sense? Like I'm always curious to talk to people about it because I know as I've done a a deeper dive into energy work and and it really always comes back to being really aware of our own body Mm -hmm. and just our own physical state which is also energetic of course like you were saying but I'm curious for you what that looks like what that feels like you got you gotta really it's it's all about feeling it's how you feel and and checking in with yourself at different times at all the time Mm -hmm. and and it's kind of like our sixth sense and our intuition and it happens without us even being, you know, fully conscious about it. But, you know, you can bring it more toward your conscious if you focus on it. So since I've been able to tune into myself, like I will, at times I'll meet somebody and this really helps in business. I'll, mm. I'll meet somebody and then I'll, I'll kind of like my stomach will twitch and I won't, I really won't know why. And, you know, there, there was uh, somebody that I worked with and, you know, his famous quote is the body never lies. The mind and your mm-hmm. eyes will deceive you and they'll create stories to make you feel better, but the body never lies. And it's so true. Like if, yeah. you know, you, oh, I yeah. remember I, a really good story. I remember I met with an individual that, you know, was proposing whatever real estate transaction and our meeting was very short. It was 20 minutes. Me and my business partner went to go meet with him and immediately after the meeting, we went to lunch and at lunch, within two minutes of sitting down, my stomach was in knots, was in absolute knots. And I look across to my business partner and I say, Dan, your nose is bleeding. What, like how often, oh my gosh. true story. How often do you get nosebleeds? He goes, I haven't had one in 20 years. I said, uh, like, it's bleeding. Like you got to take care of that. And it turned out that the gentleman that we had just met with was a complete scam artist complete oh my god the whole trans yeah the whole transaction was fraud and I, I, I it's just astonishing and I find it like as I meet with people now like you know there's certain people that just don't give you a good feeling and we are trained and we're taught to kind of like oh ignore it like they're solid because of x y and z no no right. no, no no like tune in tune into what your body is telling you 
listen, we don't have to do business with everybody. We don't have to be friends with everybody. We don't have to like everybody. You know, we get to choose. We get to be super picky. So that's, that's, that's how I, yeah. Isn't that a crazy story? Wow. It's amazing. You know what? It's so amazing when we can recognize those moments and when we can recalibrate our intuition, because I really believe this, that it's not like we develop it. Like it's some like external skill. We have it like we're born with it. It's a sense. It's, it's something we all have, but because we're, especially in in the West, like we're mostly trained around the mind and, you know, emotions are weak and feelings are feminine, which therefore are also weak. And that whole, you know, that whole like charade around the mind being more important than intuition or than the feelings, when we actually can tap our own feelings and senses and learn to interpret them, it's like, it's like you're unstoppable. Like you, nobody can lie to you anymore because you're like, no, I know you're lying. I can Mm -hmm. feel it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, I'm thinking as I'm saying this, I'm like, man, like so many times that I ignored my intuition where, you know, fine, the past is the past. It is what it is. But, you know, I can think about like, man, I wish like, I wish I had really listened to myself though, all those other times previously. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, I have a really good friend and she tells me, cause she's really tuned in to her body and she, she dates and she's like, oh yeah, I knew within, you know, just sitting down with the, with this guy at dinner. No way. I just knew. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just a business application. Like it's a great oh, dating yeah. application. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not, and listen, I gave you a very extreme story of somebody that was fraudulent. Just because mm-hmm. you have a bad feeling about somebody, it, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that it's just, they're not going to align with what you're doing or what you want yeah. to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Alignment. It, it's like, is that alignment comes with that, that integrity and like honoring of the self, like, you know what you want. And, and if something aligns with that, great. If it doesn't, Mm-hmm. then it doesn't align. So yeah, so you're you're talking about like removing judgment out of the equation and just like calling a spade a spade and that is not where I want to go. And sure. so therefore yeah, I don't move go on. that way. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it is, it's like this superpower. I think it's I think it's phenomenal. And there's there's so many ways to let's say like train intuition. And when I first started learning about like working with it and actually like training it as this inherent skill that I had, the last place I actually thought it lived was inside my body because I had just abused my body so much for so many years that I had no connection whatsoever to the subtle senses of the Mm -hmm. body. And they, and listen, I mean, that was an extreme example, but oftentimes it is subtle, Mm -hmm. right? So you do have to like have patience and train yourself and you know, allow yeah. yourself the time to, to develop that skill more and, and tune in. But even like the yeah. littlest of things, like, you know, a little pain in your temple or I don't, I don't know, like a, a, a sneezing, an allergic reaction, like little things. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then those are like, those, like you said, like, it's a strange story, but at the same time, it, it's a, it's such a valuable example of 
paying, you know, paying attention to, you know, to your body and to the people around you too, because obviously there's also other ways of evaluating things. Like, you know, obviously you wouldn't just go off of the feeling because at some point, you know, we use the mind for what it's good for and like, okay, let's go logic. Let's go analyze. Let's go like, let's figure some stuff out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're not also talking about like, you know, toss the mind out the window because it it helps. Right. Of course. Yes. (laughs) You know, but, but, you know, when you, when you grow up and like being in corporate, especially maybe not, especially, I mean, everything's intellectual when, you know, finance versus something else, but we, we get, we really are taught or we get used to using the mind a lot and like analyzing and, and being logical and forming arguments and, and really going down that path to really strengthen, you know, strengthen the brain, so to speak. Where do you feel like, and this truly is like feel, like where do you feel that you learned some of the biggest lessons around what you're capable of? Like when it was like beyond the mind, when you got thrown into a situation that you weren't expecting, like when you just had to like show up. Oh yeah. And it changed your life. Oh yeah. I can, I can give you a couple really good points. And, and I, I mentioned this earlier, like, I think when we are pushed, we are getting mm-hmm. pushed so we can see what kind of qualities, what our strengths and our gifts can come out to the surface. And you really don't get to see like, you know, what comes out so profoundly unless you're really pushed. And so mm-hmm. I look back in my life particularly and a couple of the most challenging, awful situations in my life, I, I shouldn't say awful, but some of the two of the most challenging situations, like they shaped me to be, you know, a very strong person that, you know, I'm super happy with today. So back in 2008, a lot of people will remember that's when we went through the whole, you know, banking and, and yeah. real estate crisis. I was just recruited over to Wachovia and the private bank. I think I was at the bank for a month and my ex-husband, he decided he was going to go to Brazil and have a gastric bypass or stomach sleeve done. And mm. I was like, oh, Maurice, please, like, let's think this one through. <laughs> He, he was a very <laughs> impulsive person <laughs> and that served okay. him well in, in some ways. And so he went on a Tuesday and had it done. And I remember getting a phone call from the doctor and said, oh, everything's fine. Everything's great. You know, Wednesday came along. Oh, Maurice is doing so well. No problem. Thursday came along. I got a phone call at noon as I was walking out to go see a client. I was told you have to get on a plane today. He's not going to make it. I was like, what? Oh my God. I was like, what? He's no, he's coming home Saturday. <laughs> no, he's um he's in a coma and he's he's not gonna make it. You have to get on a plane right <sighs> now. And so you're kind of in shock at that point. And I remember I had to go to the Brazilian consulate and get uh, have my visa done on the spot, which was very unusual. I was on wow. a plane at 6 30. I landed the next morning. I was at the hospital by nine o'clock in Sao Paulo and I, I found him. He was in a coma. And he ended up in a coma for, I think, like eight days. And then the short of the, of the story is he was in and out of the hospital for nine months, uh, had a series of eight or nine surgeries. So at that time, he had been removed from the family dynamic. And I had to take on right. responsibility of 
you know, being a single parent of taking on, you know, my job, taking on mm-hmm. all the household responsibilities. And he also had a couple of businesses that I had to help run or, or transition out. And at the same time, I would go see him when he was back in the States, I would go see him at the Cleveland Clinic every day after work. So, wow, like talk about wow. a big oh challenge. Gosh. And it was a, an incredibly difficult time in our lives. I mean, thank God I had, I had support. I had an amazing uh, nanny at the time. And, you know, my, my work was very supportive. But if you look at, like, from a personality perspective, he was always an A type and I was a B type. And I had to step into like that strong A type, like let's make decisions and, and, you know, let's take all of this on and just deal with it because you have no other choice. Like you have no choice. And so like that really pushed me and helped with my strength, again, with my decision-making, with, you know, critical thinking and just, again, being that pillar of strength for my family. So that was, you know, that was... One time, I, t- I talked to you about, you know, the public speaking, <laughs> yeah. Ste- stepping into that and, you know, going from like corporate America into entrepreneurship. I mean, that was a really big push and I developed amazing skills that I, I just, you know, I, and um, I had amazing opportunities that I just would have never had had I stayed on the, the corporate track. So that was, that was really good. I'll tell you a small one when I was hired at, because I think it's funny, I was hired at Merrill Lynch. And when I was hired, I had the last name Lopez, which is my married name. And, mm. you know, I'm in Miami and they, um, they hired me because they thought I spoke Spanish. Well, of course, Heather Lopez speaks Spanish. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> they hired me to work for a financial advisor that had Colombian and Mexican clients only. And on day day one or day two, I got a phone call from somebody from Colombia and they're like, you know, and I was like, one moment, un momento. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, it came out, I didn't speak Spanish and they tried to move me. They tried to to put me as a secretary. And I said, I don't want that. Like, I like this Mm. position. I want to learn about investments. And they said, well, you've got a couple of choices. You've got to learn Spanish within the next like three or four months because the financial advisor, she's going on vacation for uh, three weeks. And you also have to get your securities licenses so you can trade. And I did. And I mean, that was like a big push. I I learned Spanish. So, yo hablo espanol. (laughs) (laughs) And and also, I, you know, my ex-husband, he was Brazilian and so when I decided that, or when we got married, I thought, oh my gosh, so I'm making a commitment here. I've got to commit to the language too. And I learned right. Portuguese. So, il falo português também. So, wow. you know, I mean, again, it's all about perspective. You know, you can look at that situation. Let's say the, you know, the, the job situation, like, oh my gosh, they want to move me. And, you know, this job is going to suck and poor me. What was me? Because I don't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. So you could play the victim role and it's fine and, you know, you'll find another job or you could look at it as an opportunity and say, well, you know, uh, let me pick up a language and improve myself and give myself a lot of freedom and flexibility to do other things in the future. Right? Yeah. All about perspective. Like it's, it's, 
it's deciding which role that we want to play in any given situation. And if, you know, that's for our benefit or if we're, you know, just going to sit back and cry about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's whether, like, like you said, it's whether you go into the victim mentality or you choose to come out victorious. Like that's two sides to the same coin. You got it. That's right. Yeah. So there are times, so listen, those challenges help me, but I got to tell you, like, there are times where I'm like, okay, smooth sailing, please. Give me, (laughs) (laughs) I'd like a break. (laughs) Give me some calm seas. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there, we all have those moments where we just think, I don't know if I can take much more of this. Like, please, please stop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have another really quick little story that I'm very proud of. So let me think, four or five years back, uh, a couple of my friends were doing the nation's triathlon in Washington, D.C., which is, you know, full on triathlon. And they were doing it as a sprint. So one person was doing the bike, one was doing the run, and one was doing the swim. The swimmer broke his collarbone and had to drop out like three weeks before the race and they asked, hey, listen, would you be interested in doing it? And I thought, why not? Like, I swam. Like, I was a swimmer. I was a lifeguard in, in high school. <laughs> so, you know, I'm 40 now. Like, that was a long time ago. And I, yeah. and I and it was a mile-long swim. But I thought, what an amazing opportunity to because you get to swim, you get to swim in the Potomac. And it was a mile and this cool triathlon with 5,000 people. And what a great experience. I thought, sure, let's do it. And I was, I was able to do it. I mean, I practiced a little bit. I was able to do it. Yeah. Like, wow. I, you know, it, it doesn't have to be yeah. so major as a job, but even like little things yeah. and you, and you get to yeah. share those stories and it's so much fun. Yeah. And like, yeah, what you just said, it's fun. Like you get to come out of it as not just seeing everything as a challenge and everything that sort of happens to me is is bad, but really flipping everything around through that perspective mm-hmm. and saying, okay, yep. is also, is it an opportunity I choose? Because like you yeah. said, even with the job, like you could have said, no, I'm, ah, I'm out. I'm going to go find a different mm-hmm. job. Absolutely. That's the beautiful thing about life. We all have choices. Even when we think yeah. we don't, we ha- always have choices. Right. Yeah. And you now have really, I would say you've designed, like redesigned your whole life around feeling good, like not just like, oh, I want to, you know, be blissed out all the time. But like, really, to me, like you're the what you've done with your life is your life is what you want it to be. Or that's what I get out of the way that you operate. You still, you have a new business. You're doing what you love in terms of the money side. You have a wonderful relationship, like your kids, everything. And that is a series of choices that you made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way that I have designed my life now is exactly the way that I, I want it. And of course I have aspirations of doing, you know, different things, but in terms of like the core and the foundation, again, like I, I made significant changes and, you know, at the time, like it felt risky. It felt like, you know, something outside of my comfort zone, but in my heart, like I knew that that was the right thing to do. I just knew mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. it's just amazing when you know, and that aligns with yourself, whatever, whatever choice it is, like the steps will unfold. 
beautifully for you. So, I mean, one of, you know, one of the big things that contributed to that was I, I really stopped worrying about what everybody else thought and everybody else's opinion around me that, you know, would detract from me taking that step. I think a lot of people get caught up in, you know, worrying about, well, if I do this, then, you know, that person's going to think ill of me or, you know, they're going to judge yeah. me, you know, and think about the time and the energy that goes into thinking and worrying about what other people think. It's exhausting. Oh, yeah. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. Yeah. So what, I mean, there, I think there's like a, a nice quote, like what people think about you is none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. It's so true. I mean, we do put so much of our thoughts and give away our energy, which we should be using on ourselves to be present, like in our bodies, in the moment, focused on, okay, what do I want? And not what do I think other people want? Because we don't, I don't know, but do I really know what that person wants or what they're going to think of me? And, and like, you just spin out of control and it feels like this little vortex where it's like, you just like end up like spinning and spinning and spinning and all that energy is just mm -hmm. completely wasted. And then you sure. wonder why you're exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's so funny. My kids, like when we're kind of like stuck at somebody's house or stuck someplace, they're like, mom, we got to get out of the vortex. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Come on, we're in the vortex. We got to get out. Let's go. But, <laughs> but you know, one thing when, when you think about like your time and your energy, like really pay attention to how you're investing it because mm -hmm. that's really what it is. I mean, my, my business partner, Dan, he always says you can only spend your time once. You can't get it back. So yeah. use it really wisely. Yeah. You know, do the yeah. things that you want to be doing. Yeah. And don't worry about what anyone else thinks about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It all yeah. comes back to you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's great advice. <laughs> well, listen, that, I think that's a great place to end off. This has been such a fun conversation. So many good stories and like nuggets of wisdom based on like everything that you've learned about yourself and, and really living in a way that makes you happy. And I can, I can feel in you and sense in you always that you are really centered in that place of peace that you are looking for. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's what everybody's goal really should be if you know if there was some kind of unified goal it would be for people to find inner peace within themselves regardless of situation mm -hmm. and circumstances it's just to find inner peace yeah oh that's amazing well thank you so much you're welcome for this is being fun. on the podcast yeah <laughs> and uh i am very certain that we'll be talking again very soon perfect thanks Adapia. all right thanks bye bye it's been a pleasure and an honor to share this time and this space with you. You can find me on atapiaterico.com and on Instagram. Please send me any comments, questions, or stories you wish to share. And if you feel called, please share this with others who are also on their inner journey. When we share our stories with each other, we arrive at our destinations of happiness, fulfillment, and contentment much faster. Until next time. This is Ada Piedrico wishing you a beautiful journey within.